Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. I heard a quote this week. Um, If the church isn't filled with crying, the church is dying. And uh, the author went on to just say... The churches that are dying across America are the ones that aren't filled with kids that are crying. The sound of babies crying, the sound of children, those those tears, those screams, those things that distract us. And uh, you may not be aware, but actually right now we have a whole group of junior high students. I I hope they're not crying up at Hume Lake. But uh, they're up at Hume Lake. I think we have a photo. We're going to take a moment right now in real time. So it's a, um, a holiday weekend. So they actually will be coming home tomorrow. So tonight, those of you that have been to camp, right? Usually it's Saturday night. That's kind of like this. This is the night that we're praying that God really moves uh, in and through our kids. But tonight's that night. And so I want you to pick a name on the screen. Hopefully you can see that. We have our leaders on top. We have students. And I want you to pick a name right now. And just in the, in, in the quietness of your heart, pray that God would show up in that young person's life in a real way through the word of God and by the spirit of God and because of the people of God. And uh, let's pray that God would uh, save some souls tonight and uh, bring people to faith in Christ. Let me lead us in a prayer. But pick a name right now. Just pick a name and uh, bring that young person to the throne of God's grace. Jesus, you see and you know every kid that's on that trip. Every kid that's at Hume Lake. And we pray for these kids from Ocean Hills that... uh, have taken a holiday weekend to go and catch a glimpse of what it's like to live in the kingdom of God, to experience friendship that's genuine, love that's real, acceptance and belonging. And our prayer for each kid and every leader that has sacrificed their weekend to go and serve, that that today and tonight you would become so real that they would discover in a very fresh way the unfailing love of Jesus Christ, that there would be people that would receive your forgiveness tonight, that there would be young people that would receive your Holy Spirit tonight, and begin a new journey, that it would be a marker weekend that they'd look back years from now and go, it was that weekend at Hume Lake that I began my relationship with Jesus. So we pray that you would open the eyes of those that are blind spiritually and do the supernatural work that we can't do, but you do. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. Well, we're starting a new series uh, today. I'm calling it Say What? 
And uh, you hear, you've heard of that say, what? And it's questions that Jesus asks people in the Gospels. Say, what? And uh, so we're going to, over the next several weeks, look at different questions that Jesus asked people. And when you read these questions, I, that's, I was like, what? Some of the, they make May it make me uncomfortable. They, they, they nudge me into places that cause me to stretch my theology a little bit, uh, move me and push me into maybe rethinking. Uh, I thought I had Jesus all figured out. But now he asks this question, and I'm like, say what? So that's what we're going to do. And today we're looking at the question that he deals with, and we'll get to it, but it's, it's about family. And he kind of redefines family. Who are my brothers and my mother? And I want you to just to take, as we begin right here, right now, when you think of the word family, for some of you, it's like, so warm. Family's like belonging, connection, I'm wanted. It's that place that there's security, it feels safe, it feels stable, it feels solid, it's where I want to be, I want to be home, this kind of this, right? And then for others, it's not so much that. Natalie and I watched a film last night that's nominated for uh, best film in the Academy Awards coming up called The Holdovers. Whew. Let me tell you, talk about painful. Talk about a palpable experience of feeling lonely. I was just fighting. I mean, I'm sitting there with my wife. I've been married 40 years. I don't want her to see that I'm crying. I'm like, ooh, I'm over there. It was, it was rocking me. And it was, it's real that there are some of you in this place right now that, you know, in, in, in the story, in, th in this case, and I won't give it all away, but it's these kids that go to a, a rich East Coast boarding school and it's Christmas break and everybody goes home to their rich families at Christmas, except some don't. Some don't have a family to go home to. You know, one, one kid's his parents are missionaries and they're like, we don't have the money to fly you home. And so he stays at school. Another kid, and that's kind of what the story's about, you know, the, the dad's out of the picture and the mom finds a boyfriend or a new husband and she's like, you just stay there at school. I'm, I'm going on vacation with my, my new husband. And he's like, now just imagine, I mean, I just crushed me. And it, 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 it just, it makes me just again go, this is why we need a spiritual family. Jesus knew what he was saying when he talked about family. And so, if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to Matthew chapter 12. We have it on the screen. Let me read this for us. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, hey, your mother and brothers, they're standing outside and they want to speak to you. Verse 48, Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and said, look... These are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Luke records that incident 
And, and the way he defines it in verse 21 of Luke 8, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, when you first read that, it's, it, it actually sounds kind of harsh, like, say what, Jesus? Like, wait a minute, what, are, you, are you dissing your own mom and, and siblings? Or are you redefining and enlarging and broadening the family circle? And I think in this case, as I have studied and reflected, it, 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 in a way, what for me, because family's so important in our culture, in the West, especially in Santa Barbara, amongst this group right here, I mean, it's family first. Blood family first. And so for some of you, you read this like, man, that makes me a little uncomfortable. What's Jesus saying? Do I need to change my inheritance? Uh, you know. But I don't believe he's rejecting his mother or his brothers in this moment. But like I said, I think he's broadening the concept of family, spiritual family. Family is not defined by genetics or the law. But he says, but families, Jesus's family is defined by people that are responsive to God. Those who hear his word and then are responsive. They obey it. They follow his ways because his ways work. And so just in the moments that we have, I want to ask a really big question this morning about how do I get into the family of God and flourish in it? How do I, some of you might be going, am I, am I in the family of God? Am I sure I'm in the family? Do I belong to God's family? You may be here this morning going, I, I don't know. And I want to get, I just want to make it crystal clear for all of us. How do I get into the family? And then how do I flourish in the family. I, I frame this, the three R's of getting into and flourishing in God's family. Number one, the first R is the reality of God and his family. Isn't it amazing to learn, if you read the Bible, that God wants a family. That's the language that's used throughout Scripture. He created us to be part of his family. And he planned it way before you were ever born. In fact, the whole Bible is the story of God wanting a family that would love him and love each other, that would enjoy him and enjoy each other, and that would reign with him for eternity. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It's one of those you might want to underline in your Bible. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Great pleasure. He wants you to say yes to being in his family. He's saying, I, I want a family, and I want you to be part of my family. I love... Ray Ortland Jr. I read this quote this week and I just love it. This is what he writes, that God the Father has made himself God our Father 
means that he is personally, emotionally, and even sacrificially involved with us. God the Father, God is a kind. The Bible says God is a kind and a forgiving and a loving Father. I don't know who God is for you. I don't know the God that you don't believe in. Maybe you're like, I don't believe that. But I probably don't believe in the God you don't believe in either. But the God I do believe in is kind and loving. And the scriptures just proclaim that he's forgiving. He's accessible. He's approachable. He's present. He's supportive. He wants us to belong to each other and to him. Psalm 103 verse 13, as a father is kind to his children. So the Lord, so God is kind to those who honor him. Many of you know this spiritual law, this spiritual truth, and that is the good news is we have a God, a father who loves us. The bad news is we're selfish people. We're, we are willful people. We are rebellious people. We are, I want to live life my way. And the Bible describes that as sin. And sin is fractured, it's broken, it's damaged our relationship and your relationship with God. Isaiah 59 verse 2, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. The relationship is ruptured, it's fractured, it's broken, it's strained but rather than reject us forever, rather than judge us and condemn us, God chose to rescue us, to save us through Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. That's the good news of the gospel. Five years ago today, I was in Chile on a river raft trip with seven other guys in this church. We were on the Fudalefu River, a class five rapid. One of the guys got launched out of the boat into the river in the middle of the class five, and he came up under the boat. Whoa. And we're all, we're, all, we're all like in the boat just hanging on for dear life, not wanting to get launched either. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he? I mean, we, and we were concerned. Finally, it's like, whoa, there he is. And the, and, and the guide threw him a life rope. Now imagine yourself in the river and you're like drowning. Imagine God throwing you a life rope. That's, that's the metaphor here. Are you going, I don't need that rope. Some of you are living your life this way. I don't need that rope. I'd rather drown spiritually. I want to do it my own way. I, I, I'm good. I'm, we're pretending we're good. And we're drowning. God says, grab the rope. Jesus is the rope. Just grab it. The reality is we have a father who loves us. But the deeper reality is we're also sinful people. We're selfish people. And we need a savior and that leads to the requirements. That's the second R. We got the reality that God loves us, but we're sinful. The so what's required? Let's just be crystal. What's required to get into God's family? What's required of you? What's required of me? 
Let me just, this kind of might be a, a news flash for some of you, but nobody gets into heaven or into the family of God because you're born into a religious family. You know that, right? It was Billy Graham uh, who famously said, God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. And so you and I and our kids, we all have to respond to the good news of God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's unfailing love. It's an individual decision that I have to make that you have to make. God keeps pursuing us with love, not judgment, not condemnation. Those people you see out on the street corners when you're at a football game and they got the signs, turn or burn, and they got the blowhorn, you're going to hell. I love to go up to him and say, you are missing the point. Jesus came not to bring judgment, but to bear judgment. I'm forgiven. I've been set free. I'm, it's not, don't be pointing your finger and, and, and scaring people. The good news is you are not judged when you receive Jesus into your life and you become a follower of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. And so listen to these verses. How do I, what's the requirement what do I got to do? John chapter 1, Jesus said this, but to all who believed him and accepted him. Actually, John, the gospel writer, said this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. What do I got to do to become a children of God, to become a child of God? What do I got to do? Believe him and accept him. They're reborn. All of us have a physical birth. But what we're talking about here in the gospel of John is we're born spiritually, not just physically. We come out of our mother's womb. We all get that. But there's also, we were created by God and for God to be in relationship. And it requires that we be born spiritually by believing and accepting him. Galatians 3, Paul put it this way in verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith. Through faith in Christ Jesus, believing and faith. And I love this passage, John 6, 28 and 29. Those that were curious, those that were beginning to lean in. Who is this guy, Jesus? They asked him, let's just get crystal clear. They go, well, what must we do to do the works that God, what's the word? Requires. Like, no beating around the bush here. What do I got to do? And what did Jesus say? The work of God, the work of God is what? To believe in the one he has sent. To believe, to believe, to believe. Faith, belief means to trust, to put your confidence in, to rely on. I was trying to think of an illustration. I was trying to think of, uh, of an example that maybe some of you are like, this is too theological, this is too like heady. Some of you may not know when I travel internationally, I always get my hair cut. I got a little slide up here. This is, this is in Egypt. Natalie and I were in Egypt. We were in Egypt. I got to get my hair cut. I've had my hair cut in Morocco. I've had my hair, I've had my hair cut in Ecuador. Uh, it's also a lot cheaper internationally, by the way. Um, but here's the thing. When I go and I sit in that chair, in that moment, I'm not the guy that's in control anymore. I'm trusting 
I'm relying on this barber, this person that's going to cut my hair. I have surrendered. I have released control. And so when I get my hair cut internationally, I just say, hey, you know what? I trust you. I know you haven't cut my hair before, but I know this is what you do. You're the professional. I'm not. Do your thing. Now, I know some of you are like, dude, I could never do that. Some of you are hyper-controlling, like telling, telling the person doing your hair, no, no, no. I want this image to, to just sink into your mind that, no, part of what the, re the requirement of following Jesus is, not just sitting in church, that's not enough. It's surrendering. It's saying, do what you want to do. You're the one in church. You're the one that has the authority. Do what you want to do in me, through me, with me. I am going to cooperate. I am going to surrender. This is the requirement. I am going to let God work in my life. And I just love N.T. Wright. He's written this small little book called Small Faith, Great God. Listen to this quote. He says, faith means totally relying on God and committing ourselves to God for time and for eternity, trusting his promises, obeying his commands, not trying to make ourselves good enough for him, but trusting in the fact that he accepts us as we are because of the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Do you see the language there, that letting God, trusting God, relying on God, committing ourselves to God? And then Rick Warren, he, I love how simple he, he, he can take complicated concepts and theology. I love what he says. He put it this way, when we place our faith in Christ... God becomes our father. We become his children. Other believers become our brothers and sisters. And the church becomes our spiritual family. The invitation to be part of God's family is universal. But there's one condition. Faith in Jesus. Grabbing the rope. He's throwing the rope to you. Sitting in the barber chair and saying... I'm going to let go of control. I'm going to let Jesus be Lord. Now he's calling the shots. I'm not. And then here's the third R. We have the reality, the requirements, and then those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, it's not just, okay, I'm good. No, now you get back in the boat and guess what? You're given a paddle. If you've ever been on a river raft trip, you don't just sit there. You're given a paddle and it's like, all right, you have responsibility to be part of the team. And so the third R is the responsibilities for flourishing in God's family. I'm going to make this really simple. Ephesians chapter 5, here's the responsibilities of everybody in this room that wants to be part of God. Once we become part of God's family, here it is. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, 
but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Now, keep that slide on the screen. I want you just to, I'm going to bring up, we have a, a guest speaker today, and as she comes up, I want you just to, to just simmer and soak in this Bible verse out of Ephesians 5. And as, as you soak in that, I want to welcome Marlene Wall. Marlene is the president of LCC International University in Lithuania. And uh, Marlene's been with us before. Some of you know her. Um, but we've asked Marlene to just share a perspective because when we talk about being part of God's family, it's not just the nuclear. It's not just me and my wife, and we got Shannon and Garrett, and we got our grandson. Just us. I don't have to care about anybody else. If I'm a follower of Jesus, that, that's not good enough, just so you know. And then you go, well, okay, you know, Ocean Hills family, right? My God family. Like, yeah, that's part of it too. But you know what? When we become part of God's family, God's family extends beyond our nuclear family, our, our, our little Santa Barbara God Ocean Hills family. It extends across the street and it extends around the world. And so... Marlene's going to give us a, a little taste of our brothers and sisters. Did you know you have siblings? You have siblings that are going to school in Lithuania, but that are from 60 different countries. I'll shut up. You go. I often talk about Ocean Hills as my church family on the West Coast. In fact, I've listened to several powerful sermons from Ocean Hills just in the last few months. So it gives me great joy to be with you in person today. And I'm grateful to those of you from this Ocean Hills family who have visited and have encouraged my corner of the world, just a simple 5,792 miles away at LCC International University located in Klaipeda, Lithuania. LCC is a Christian liberal arts university which began just as the Soviet Union was collapsing in 1991. Just like Santa Barbara, we too are located on a massive body of water, the Baltic Sea, just no palm trees. From our humble beginnings in the early 90s with just a few students from Lithuania, LCC has grown to now 600 students from 60 countries. We believe that our students are indeed the needed next generation of global leaders. If you were to visit our campus, you would see students doing student things, enjoying sunny days outdoors, competing in community games, eating hot dogs together. You would be welcomed by our faculty and staff who this year come from 10 different countries all committed to our Christ-centered mission. You would see us celebrate our international community. You would notice the relational nature of our community with engaging professors who relate well to our students. You would see residence halls on campus next to a small pond all would seem to be quite similar to the campus communities right here in Santa Barbara. 
At LCC, we have focused on the Beatitudes in Matthew uh, chapter 5 this year. One way that we do that is that each week in my Monday memo to campus, I share a version of the Beatitudes from various versions of the Bible, or sometimes from pastors and theologians who have adapted the, these words into a modern context. So I'm going to share three verses from that modern version that a particular pastor created, and then I'll share a fourth one that I really believe is at the core of who we are. Blessed are those who are poor at being spiritual, for the kingdom of heaven is well-suited for ordinary people. Blessed are the depressed who mourn and grieve, for they create space to encounter comfort from another. Blessed are the gentle and trusting who are not grasping and clutching, for God will personally guarantee their share when heaven comes to earth. And for our campus, for LCC International University in 2024, perhaps the most profound verse is Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the bridge builders in a war-torn world, for they are God's children working in the family business. We believe that our students are the next generation of peace builders, of ethical leaders for a region of the world that is desperate for hope. We are all in God's family business. We are bridge builders in a war-torn world. So let me introduce you briefly to the real-life contexts from which our students come. Many of our students have heard their parents talk about the Baltic Way. When on August the 13th, 1989, two million people held hands in an unbroken chain from the capital of Estonia to the capital of Latvia to the capital of Lithuania. This was a powerful statement of nonviolent resistance to the Soviet regime. And it was done before cell phones. Can you imagine organizing two million people? These two million people were bridge builders working in God's family business. In the past eight years at LCC, we have served over 100 war-affected students from Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. Students whose education was disrupted because of war and genocide and economic collapse. We have Yazidi students from this pictured internally displaced people camp, a photo that I took visiting that camp, Students who were pushed up Mount Sinjar in August of 2014 by ISIS and left to fry in the heat at the top, and whose families each bear scars of this genocide. We are called to be bridge builders in a war-torn world, working in God's family business. And we now see these very students these Yazidi students graduating and making a difference as bridge builders themselves. When the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan in August of 2021, our Afghan students at LCC panicked. 
they urgently requested a meeting to consider any possible way that we could help get their families out of Afghanistan, families that were now trapped inside the country. These students were passionate, they were desperate for peace building, for the peace building work of God's family business. And just last year, in the same year that the Taliban shut down all educational opportunities for young women, our valedictorian at LCC was Hogai from Afghanistan. On February 24th, 2022, two years ago this week, our 200, 200 students from Ukraine and our 50 students from Russia lost their identity. When Russia invaded Ukraine, our Ukrainian students were essentially refugees, not able to return to their own country. And our Russian students were enemies? Neither group knew what to do with their new realities, and so they teamed up and worked together as bridge builders in God's family business. This photo includes both Ukrainian and Russian students who launched the Ukraine Care Initiative to support the thousands of Ukrainian refugees that flooded into our city. The outpouring of support for our own students from our own campus community was humbling. Our Peace Center supported listening circles. Our trauma-trained counselors were kept busy and prayer vigils were frequent. Our Russian students were given opportunities to express their disbelief and wish for a day that they could once again share their rich culture with the world. And as the war in Ukraine continued, students from other countries at war wanted to be sure that we didn't forget them. It is truly a war-torn world. Our Armenian students talked about their war with Azerbaijan. Our Georgian students talked about the territories occupied by Russia. Our Kyrgyz students talked about their border disputes with Turkmenistan. We are called to be a part of God's family business, bridge builders in a war-torn world. At LCC, even basketball, which is the religion of Lithuania, um, creates bridge-building opportunities. Our men and our women, organized ethically as student-athlete teams, are making profound statements in a complicated context. Lithuania is a member of NATO. In fact, they put all of their eggs of national security into the NATO basket. So when NATO officers visit LCC and comment that we are doing the peace-building, peacekeeping work of NATO, we see that as an affirmation of our bridge-building role in a war-torn world as part of God's family business. We serve a God who is above all things and who can restore all things. As part of his family, we are called to worship him. That's part of our responsibility as the family. At LCC, we do that too. Here, 
with worship leaders from seven different countries. And I end with a blessing for you, as I hope you continue to pray for and support the peace-building work at LCC. Three weeks ago, as chapel ended, our students were asked to pray for the world. We had just reflected on Revelation 7, verse 9, which says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. As I stood there in chapel, I realized that I was witnessing the nations of the world praying for the nations of the world. You were prayed for. This is our responsibility as children of God's family business. Ocean Hills, thank you for being our brothers and sisters as bridge builders in a war-torn world. May God be glorified. Let's stand together. I'm going to invite the band to come up. So there's a couple of responses maybe for you to think about. You know, when we, when we think about sermons in church, I'm always like, there's the, the what, the so what, and the now what. And uh, when I think about the now what for you, what is that? For some of you, it may be, I want to make sure I'm part of God's family. I want to be part of God's family. Maybe I grew up in a religious or Christian home, but I just thought coming to church was enough. Uh, But I'm realizing I need to surrender. I need to rely on God. And uh, there are some of you this morning that maybe you were brought here by the Spirit of God to hear this message. Uh, others of you, you're like, I, it's that uncertainty play. Well, no, I kind of, I, that, and maybe today is just being sure of that. Like, I want to, I just want to, uh, I want to just be crystal clear and make a commitment to God today. And then there's others of you that realize maybe today, you know, when we come into the family of God, it's not just us four and no more. That actually we have a responsibility to care for our siblings our brothers and sisters, and sometimes they're caring for us, and sometimes we're caring for them in this room and around the world. And so I'm going to say a prayer over Marlene and her leadership for LCC, but I want you to think about what's your now what? And maybe if today you're saying, I, I want to, I want to Make sure I'm, I'm part of God. I want to belong to God. Put your hand on your heart. Or I want to make sure. Uh, just put your hand on your heart. Say, I, I, I want to make sure I'm in the family of God. I want God to know in this moment, I want to be his child. I want to trust him. I want to be forgiven. And I want to sit in that barber chair and, and trust him to do, the, to do the work rather than putting all that pressure on me. So let's pray. Kind Father, the scriptures remind us that you are kind Loving 
Father. The scriptures remind us that you're loving, gracious, and merciful, Father. Thank you. Thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you that you create divine appointments, that you brought us all here this morning, and you brought Marlene here this morning, and you allowed our worlds to intersect and collide with the truth of your word. And right here, right now, I pray for every heart and every home that's represented in this room. I pray that every one of us would have eyes to see that you would open the eyes of those of us that may be blind spiritually. And that from this point forward, we would make a decision of faith to live a fully surrendered life relying on you. And we pray for Marlene. We thank you for her leadership. And we pray that you would anoint her for a new season, a new chapter of what's ahead at LCC, the challenges, the opportunities. Pray that you would fill her with strength and courage and that you would protect her from the evil one who would want to steal, kill, destroy the work that she's committed to doing. Father God, we ask that the spirit of God would be poured out in a fresh way on her personal relationship with you, Jesus, and on her leadership. Pray that you'd surround her with trusting friends, people that she can count on, people that will see her and know her and love her in the midst of being at the top of the organization where it can sometimes get lonely. I pray that she'd experience family, authentic family in that community over in Lithuania at the, at the university. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being the God who never gives up on us, who loves us with an unfailing love. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen.